Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show with William Kramer, my co-host Aaron Bontrager. We cover local sports, including the NIC and NLC conferences, plus teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart counties. We also cover cover college and pro sports. Today, we will recap high school football week eight and also preview week nine, discuss college football, NFL, MLB, and the NBA. So our first topic is going to be high school football week eight recap. And the first game is Fairfield and Lakeland. Now the score was tied 14 all to begin the fourth quarter. Two Fairfield touchdowns helped the Falcons in a uh, three game losing streak. Uh, So Fairfield wins 28 to 21. Jimtown 35, Adams 28. Uh, Jimtown was up 21-7 at halftime uh, in control of the game. However, at the beginning of the third quarter, Adams recovered an onside kick and then quickly scored a touchdown to close score 21-13. On Jimtown's next drive, Sam Garner ran 55 yards to Helped set up a Jimtown uh, touchdown, and they went up 28-13. to 13. Now, Adams did respond with a touchdown in a two-point conversion to make it 28-21, uh, and Jimtown went on a crucial long-scoring drive that chewed up a whole lot of time, and they went up 35-21. Uh, I was actually at this game. At that point, it felt pretty good for Jimtown that uh, – they were going to win this game. However, Adams scored again, make it 35-28. Uh, there were a couple of three and outs. Um, the Adams and Jim Tom eventually got the ball back. Uh, Adams' defense stiffened up and forced, uh, forced a fourth down and one at the Jim Tom 28-yard line. Uh, Jim Tom called a timeout, uh, and it looked like the punt team in fact, Coach Stoner yelled out for the punt team. However, uh, they changed their mind, and the offense converted a huge fourth down, uh, and then they were able to run out of the clock. So uh, we knew going into the game that Adams would be able to throw the ball. Um, um, but Jeremiah Love, three touchdown runs, and the Eagles 74 yards rushing. Uh, did give Jim Towns defense fits throughout the night. Uh, but when it came down to it, Jimtown's defense came through when it mattered most late in the game. So big win for the Jimmies, 35-28. Uh, maybe the game of the week, Aaron, was LaVille 27, North Justin 21 in overtime. I know you watched this game. You were texting me uh, yeah. last Friday. Uh, Paul DeWitt ran for 140 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Lancer starter, starting quarterback, Lucas uh, Plummer went out due to injury at the end of the third quarter with LaVille trailing 21-14. But a 32-yard Paul DeWitt touchdown run forced overtime. Now in overtime, North Justin missed a 25-yard field goal. Uh, and Noah Richhart's 10-yard touchdown run on LaVille's first offensive play in overtime sealed the big win and clinched a share of the Hoosier North Conference title for the first time since 1986. 
Now, we are uh, at this point of the recording, we do not have an update on Lucas Plummer's injury, but, uh, you know, this is something that we have to keep an eye on as, you know, Aaron, he's a big part of what Lavilla does. Yeah, definitely. Man, that was quite the ending of that game. Uh, Reinhardt had a huge help, huge push into the end zone. So, Penn, 21, New Prairie, 0. Penn's offensive line dominated in this game, helping pave way for uh, the Kingsman, 288 yards rushing, three touchdowns, all by quarterback Nolan McCullough. Now, the defense limited New Prairie, 204 yards total offense. Well, they only had six first downs and were able to force two turnovers. You know, Aaron, we talked early in the season about Penn's difficult schedule, especially when they're not in conference. Uh, and Penn is reaping those benefits. Uh, you look at what they've been able to do in the NIC conference, uh, and they're, uh, yet again, their nice run uh, throughout, through that conference. The Kingsmen are playing good football at the right time of the season. Stop and Riley, 36, Bremen, 6. Uh, Dominic Jolly, Riley's quarterback, has 78 yards passing, 3 for 1 touchdown. Robert Nebu had 312 yards rushing, 4 total touchdowns. That's a wildcat. just simply overwhelmed Bremen's defense. Uh, we've said it all year long that Bremen has struggled to defend the run. Uh, and this was, a, yeah, again, another example of that being true. It's been a tough season for the Lions uh, overall uh, compared to what the normal standard is down down there at Bremen. Um, Riley has momentum, playing better each week. All right, moving on to the NLC. This week I think we didn't really learn a whole lot new about the NLC. Maybe another week of solidifying what many of us already kind of know. So the first game, Northwood, 57, uh, Wallace, 0 Five different Panthers scored a touchdown in this one. Wes Yoder had himself a night for Northwood. He scored three touchdowns, tallied 200 yards on the ground. And he really started within the first minute of the game. He took a run up the middle to the house for 59 yards. And the Black Crunch defense showed up again, another shutout here. Um probably well, they only gave up one first down in the first half which is pretty crazy and then in the second half they didn't really let Wallace C finish off drives when they were threatening a little bit so yeah the Panthers were able to get some of their younger guys some snaps in the second half I think the Tribune had it that Kane Tucker was leading passer for Northwood so Northwood is running on all cylinders right now as they prepare for next week in sectionals, of course. Next game, Warsaw 43, Goshen 7. The Tigers took control early and dominated their way to another win over the Red Hawks. And according to the Goshen News, this is the 15th straight win in the series. The Tigers' defense got the scoring started with a 66-yard pick six by Theo Catris. And they also had forced three Goshen turnovers in this one. The Tigers were led on offense by Reed Zollinger, who had got the start in the backfield. He scored on two touchdown runs. Yeah, so a good game for Warsaw to get to honor their seniors. And then they got some vars- they got their younger guys, some varsity reps. 
Third game of the NLC slate was Northridge 49, Plymouth 0. The Raiders rolled to another win, jumped out early to a 35-0 lead by the end of the first quarter. Then they would score their final 14 in the second quarter. This one, I didn't find any stats for the Northridge side, but their defense pretty much shut out the Rockies. They gave up only 94 yards passing and then 67 yards rushing. Yeah, you got to feel for Coach Hanley and the Rockies, at least I do. Um, I can kind of relate to this, but they're just going through a tough time rebuilding, and hopefully next year they'll end their losing streak or even probably not going to happen next week. But, yeah, the Raiders, if you look at it on the other angle, the Raiders are now are now on a four-game winning streak, and they prepare for a big test in Warsaw. The final game, the one that was the best matchup of the week, was Mishawaka 15, Concord 11. The Mishawaka defense made the crucial play of the game. The KMN lights-out defense recovered a fumble at the one-yard line to seal the win late. Uh, Mishawaka gained 412 yards to Concord's 101 yards. Novell Miller and Ethan Bryce had rushing touchdowns. Then Chase Gooden had over 150 yards rushing, and Brady Fisher added another, I think it was 101 yards rushing to lead the caveman option attack. Armin Kultukin scored the only touchdown for the Minutemen when he caught a 20-yard pass from Hudson Glantz. Yeah, I think this game pretty much solidified that, you know, Mishawaka's a tough team to beat, and Concord can hang with some pretty good teams in the area, but... That's basically because of their defense here. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see week nine if we, unless Will, you had any comments about the NLC slate. Well, I, I was thinking how impressed I was with Concord. Um, they they put on a good showing, uh, at least score wise, uh, with Mishawaka, and uh, I I have a lot of respect for what Coach Kenner does and what they do at Mishawaka. Um, you know, uh, they've had a great season so far, and for Concord to only lose by four, um, I know moral victories are 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 never, um, yeah, uh, something that you as a coach you want your players to believe in. But uh, if you're a Concord fan or whatever, you kind of kind of feel good about yourself. Like, hey, you know, we can hang with some of these guys, some of these bigger. Uh, schools like Mishawaka who's having a good year this year so we'll see what Concord does maybe they can make surprise in the, in the tournament yeah I, I kind of saw their draw I think yeah we'll have to talk about that in the future episode that's right we're getting ahead of ourselves episode 12 we're going to talk about break down some of these sectionals that involve our teams that we cover yeah it should be fun now let's preview the last week of the regular season. I'll start with the NLC. But before we do, let's take a look at where we're standing with our predictions. Right now, I'm at 24-3. and three. Will's at 25-4. and four. So, yeah, we had another good week picking games. Let's see if we can end on a good note. The first NLC game I want to mention is Concord, who is now 3-5. and five. At Plymouth, um, the Minutemen will get the win. I think 
they have a solid defense and have too much depth and experience, and they should hopefully build some confidence in offense in this one as well. The second NLC game is Goshen at Northwood. Northwood, of course, is undefeated. Goshen is now 2-6. and six. It's been well documented on our pod and other media outlets how Goshen is kind of reeling with injuries. Uh, I think they've even had to shut down their JV games due to many of those players now taking varsity snaps. And I think Northwood's not going to let up. They're going to look to win another outright conference championship. And I like for them to pounce on the Red Hawks to wrap up their pretty dominant regular season. And then we have another... Uh, matchup in Mishawaka, 7-1 and one now at Wallace C, who's 1-7. I think the caveman crews in this one, uh, they're focused, they're poised after that tough loss of the Panthers. Coach Kinder and his staff will have their players ready to fine-tune some things before the postseason. They will come out ready to play and get another win. And then the most intriguing matchup for the NLC, that is, happens in Middlebury. Warsaw is six and two visiting Northridge, who's now five and three. One team will move into third place for the conference standings, barring a crazy upset. And this will be another. It seems like the NLC is all about style of play this year. Another battle in style of play. I think Northridge, their motive on offense is to find that chunk plays and explosive plays, while Warsaw likes to grind it out and. When the explosive plays come, they get them by running what they do well, the option, of course. Big questions in this one. Can Warsaw out-physical Northridge and limit the Raiders' passing attack? And I think uh, if you're Northridge, can their front seven bend and not break against the option, play consistent containment? And I see this one coming down to those questions and obviously the turnover battle is important, especially if you think about the Raiders this year and the bigger games. They've had some issues with keeping tr- keeping control of the ball. Um, the Tigers have won this uh, series the past four times, pretty emphatically outscoring Northridge 128 to 44 points. I, go- I guess I'm going to go with my alma mater in this one. I think the streak will be ended at four games and the Raiders are at home, so I think, yeah, this is their chance to end that streak. Yeah, Aaron, this is a big game, as you just said, for third place. Uh, very intriguing to me. Um, two teams are solid. Um, they've had a couple of tough losses, but um, uh, come playoff time, they're going to be, I think, a team that, that teams are going to have to really reckon with. Uh, let's look at a couple of games in the NIC plus Fairfield, uh, starting with Alcart 7-1 at New Prairie, also 7-1. Alcart has an opportunity to send a message to their sectional foes that they are a dangerous team, which they are. And how they fare against New Prairie will provide us a measuring stick to uh, what Penn just did last week. I think New Prairie will struggle to tackle in space against Alcart's athletes. Uh, New Prairie will need to play almost a perfect football game in order to win this one. Uh, they have to be able to run the ball and sustain long drives. Uh, and I just think Alcart will pull away in the second half to earn this win. Fairfield 5-3 at Cherubusco 6-2. and two. 
Carter Kitson and Brecken uh, Moran. They have to have big games in order for Fairfield to be successful against Cherbusco. Uh, Falcons need to win the battle in the trenches. And I just think Cherbusco, uh, when you look at comparative opponents, uh, have had a bet uh, more success. And I have Cherbusco winning this game against Fairfield uh, to move to seven wins on the season. Yeah, the Falcons started hot this year. This, um, but they're facing some tough challenges now that they've played their conference foes. Hopefully, this adversity helps them. We'll see how they do in the postseason as well. Good point. So Riley five and three at Jimtown System two. This is for the North South NIC Division Championship game. Um, this is at Netfield. Sharp Stadium, big crowd will be there. Um, this is going to be a fun environment. Jimtown Riley have improved in our both playing solid football. Riley is the more balanced uh, team on offense. Uh, defensively, I would give the edge to Jimtown. Um, Riley is going to load the box and you dare Jimtown to throw the ball. Uh, the Jimmies have proven that they can still run the ball in teams that stack the line scrimmage. Um, Jimtown secondary is is a re- legit concern. Um, we uh, I was at the game last week where they played Adams and Adams was able to have big plays in the secondary. And the Jimtown defense will have to improve if they want to make a deep run in the playoffs. I do think Riley will keep this game close, but I got Jimtown winning a tough game to earn their back-to-back NIC North South champions. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, we will talk about IHSAA Fall Sports Tournament results. You can listen to the Will and Aaron Show podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and like our videos. Follow us on Twitter at Will Aaron Show. You can follow the Will and Aaron Show Facebook page where you can interact by commenting liking, sharing, and reviewing our podcast. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show. We're going to kick off with topic number three, talking about the IHSAA Fall Sports Tournament results. Aaron, let's kick off with girls cross country, and everybody expected Penn to win their sectional, and of course they came through. They win sectional nine. Uh, Mary, for the team that is, Mary Eubank of Penn wins the entire sectional with a time of 19 minutes and 38 seconds. Congratulations, Mary, on a job well done. Northridge wins the team uh, sectional 10. Uh, Tame Bayless of the Raiders wins the sectional with a time of 18 minutes and 50 seconds. So congratulations to the Penn Kingsmen and Northridge Raiders for winning their cross-country uh, sectional. Of course, both of these programs are historically pretty good when it comes to uh, cross-country. Boys cross-country, uh, Penn wins sectional nine, so the boys and girls sweep. Uh, William uh, Boschke of Mishawaka wins the sectional with a time of 15 minutes and 50 seconds. Northridge... Uh, they sweep as well. They win sectional 10. Uh, Jackson Miller of the Raiders wins the sectional for the time of 15 minutes and 50 
one second. So again, congratulations to the Penn and Northridge uh, both cross country teams for bringing home the sectional title. Next is girls golf. Penn made the team state finals tournament. Delaney Wade, a junior, tied for 24th. Claire Tobin, a freshman, tied for 60th. Scarlett Beaver, a freshman, 66th. Jill Daniels, a junior, 67th. And Isabella Peterson, tied for 93rd. Penn finishes 13th overall in the team competition. So congratulations, Penn, for making it to the state finals and for uh, several individuals uh, for what they did the entire season and also at the state finals. Well done. In girls soccer, Class 1A, Sectional 36, the Bethany Christian won 1-0 over Central Noble. In Class 2A, Sectional 19, number 3, Mishawaka Marion uh, blasted John Glenn 7-0. Class 2A, Sectional 20, Northwood beat up on Angola 5-0. Class 3A, Sectional number, uh, Sectional 3, that is, Penn beat Adams in penalty kicks. Class 3A sectional number 4, number 19 Goshen outlasted Concord 2-0. Boys soccer in Class 1A sectional 35, Bethany Christian 2, Elkhart Christian Academy 0. Class 2A sectional 19, Marion 4, St. Joe 3 in what was an exciting back and forth game. Class 2A sectional 20, Northwood 4, Angola 0. Uh, so both the boys and girls, Northwood Panthers, beat up on uh, Angola Hornets. Uh, Class 3A, Sectional 3, number 15, Penn 2, Adams 0. And I do want to mention that uh, before they got to the championship game, Penn upset number 6, Chesterton, in the last seconds of the game. That was an incredible moment there for the Penn boys soccer team. And they carry that momentum, winning sectional three. Class three, sectional four, number 17th, ranked Goshen, four, Northridge, zero. And class three, sectional seven, number 14th, ranked Warsaw, three, Homestead, zero. So again, congratulations to our area boys soccer sectional champions. That is, of course, Bethany Christian, Marion, Northwood, Penn, Goshen, and worse all, and best of luck as you guys face off in the regionals. And boys tennis, uh, congrats to the following sectional winners, Bremen, Penn, St. Joe, Goshen, and Northridge. Penn dominated Chesterton to win the regional championship. Then Goshen dominated Northridge to win their regional championship. Shout out to those boys tennis programs. And uh, unfortunately, Penn and Goshen both lost in uh, the semi-state. So their runs in, uh, but what a fantastic run in the boys' tennis tournament for both Penn and Goshen. Topic four, college football. Okay, let's look at Michigan and Indiana. If you watch this game, the first half, Aaron, was very competitive. But then Michigan showed up in the second half, and uh, it was um, all Michigan in the second half. 
J.J. McCarthy threw for over 300 yards. He had three touchdowns. Um, and it's the same story for the Hoosiers. You're, you, you show that you can play with some of the top teams for a little bit, but at the end, they're just still not where they need to be. Uh, and it's IU's defense and special teams that keeps them in ball games. We need the Hoosiers' offense to be more consistent, and when they can do that, then IU football will be uh, more competitive. Yes, same old story. (laughs) The next game, Purdue, 31, Maryland, 29. Aiden O'Connell returned for Purdue, throwing for 360 yards and two touchdowns. Purdue had four turnovers, including three in the second half, but Maryland could not capitalize. Penalties plagued the Terrapins all game. Purdue gets a much-needed Big Ten road win. You know, Aaron, I saw uh, someone on ESPN's make this bold statement. I might have been on Twitter, actually. When you look at Purdue's remaining Big Ten schedule, there's no one that scares you when it comes to Purdue representing their side of the conference in the Big Ten Championship game. Purdue, Boilermakers, in the Big Ten Championship game. What do you think about that? That would be quite the story. I It wouldn't surprise me with just how... Is that, they're in the West, right? The West is just weaker. Yeah, overall. See, the East. Yeah, the East is one that has all the juggernauts: Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Michigan. Yeah. I mean, so yes, now that now that Wisconsin is what they are, you know, we're not. They're not what they usually are. Uh, it's like the floodgates have been wide open right now. So if there's any time to make it to the Big Ten championship, it's this year, and yeah. Purdue could do it. Who knows? Notre Dame and BYU. Uh, so Drew Payne threw for three touchdowns, two of them to Michael Mayer, who became Notre Dame's all-time leading receiver for tight ends. Notre Dame is 11-0 in the Shamrock Series. By the way, I love the Shamrock Series. I love the New Jerseys they have every year. It's, it's great. I hope they continue this for a long, long time. Uh, the announced crowd of over 62,000 is the largest college football game attendance in Las Vegas. Notre Dame jumped out to a 25-6 lead. BYU scored two touchdowns uh, to close within 25-20. However, it was a 20-yard Blake group field goal to put the Irish up for good at 28-20. Audric and Logan nearly had 100 yards rushing each. Um, And uh, also, uh, uh, my mind's going blank here, Aaron, the third running back for the Irish uh, had like 50-some yards as well. So good showing for uh, the running back group there. Um, the offensive line continued to build momentum. And uh, one of the things that Coach Freeman said after the game was that Notre Dame is a special place to play because of what what you had in Las Vegas, a pro Notre Dame crowd in the backyard of BYU yeah, it was all Notre Dame, and that's what is so special about Notre Dame is they are coast-to-coast football team, really an international school um, where uh, Notre Dame fans all over the place, and it just it just shows in the Shamrock Series. Every game, no matter where it is, San Antonio, whether it's in uh, the East Coast, West Coast, uh, fans all over the place. So great win by Notre Dame. Very proud of them. They continue to get better. Let's look at some notable scores throughout uh, college football. 
and these rankings are from the previous week when they played, not the new ones that just came out today. So the 17th ranked TCU, uh, 38. 19th ranked Kansas, 31. Uh, that was a, an incredible game to watch. And number 18, UCLA, 42. Number 11, Utah, 32. So UCLA remains unbeaten. South Carolina, 24. And 13th ranked Kentucky, 14. Uh, of course, the quarterback from Kentucky, uh, Levis, did not play in this game. So that played a factor uh, as well. And and then Arizona State uh, knocked off number twenty one Washington forty five to thirty eight. Washington is one of those programs that just frustrates you. I'm not even in Pac twelve, but it's like ever since they made it to the college football playoffs, they just haven't been elite. And, and just when you think they're going to get good again, they get beat by an Arizona State team. So. Uh, they're going to fall out of the rankings, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to figure out something here in the second half of the season. So uh, the Will and Aaron College pick the Rutgers. Aaron is 7-3. and three. I am 6-6. Six and six. I bounced back this week. Of course, Aaron continues to win like he normally does. Uh, let's do our picks for this week. I've got a 12 o'clock game. 33rd ranked Purdue Boilermakers, 4-2 overall. They go on the road to play at Nebraska, 3-3. Three and three. Since Nebraska fired Scott Frost, the Cornhuskers have won two games in a row, albeit those are wins against Indiana and Rutgers. Not the most impressive resume there. However, uh, Purdue is a different team and a different challenge, and I think they're going to pose some some difficulties for the Nebraska secondary. I just don't think Nebraska can keep up with Purdue. I have the Boilermakers beating Nebraska on the road for their fifth win of the season. And then at noon, uh, number 10, Penn State, who's 5-0, and visits number 5, Michigan, who's 6-0. and I like Michigan at home. I think uh, it's going to be a great matchup. I think it'll tell us a lot about each team. Both teams are playing pretty well. I think Michigan's defense will prove to be the difference in this one. Ooh, Aaron, this is a big, big game. Uh, can't wait for this one. Penn State, Michigan undefeated. Uh, also at noon, 37th ranked Minnesota, 4 and 1 at surprising Illinois, 5 and 1. Uh, row the boat meets uh, uh, the darling of the Big Ten. This is an intriguing matchup that both teams like to run the ball. Um, I'm going to go with Minnesota in this game. I just think they're a little bit better than Illinois. Um, And Illinois really hasn't played anyone that I recall that has been great yet. So this this would probably be uh, Illinois' uh, toughest opponent yet. So far, and I just think Minnesota wins this game. They're actually uh, favored by a three right now. So I got I got the Gophers. Yeah, that's an intriguing one. And then at three thirty on CBS, number three Alabama. At number six Tennessee, who's five and zero. Oh. Um, 
I was going to go with the upset, but when the AP dropped Bama to third, I think I think this is going to be motivation for Saban and the Royal Tide. I think they'll be looking to make a statement, so I'm going to go with Alabama. I do have to say I got to give props to the AP for dropping Bama two spots. I didn't think they would, but hey, they haven't looked good. They didn't look good against a uh, Texas A and M team that already has, uh, I, I think, a couple of losses in going into the game. So, um, but this is a huge SEC game. Mm-hmm. There, Aaron, there's a lot of great. I think I counted five or six ranked versus ranked games this week. So, talking about a huge college football week in general for uh, this weekend. Three thirty game on ABC, number eight. Ranked um, Oklahoma State five and zero at number thirteenth ranked TCU also five and zero. This is gonna be a huge Big Twelve game. Aaron, could this be a preview of the Big Twelve championship game? Could be. Uh, if it is, I wouldn't be uh, disappointed. We knew the Cowboys would be good this year. Uh, TCU has turned some heads with their 5-0 start. Not a lot of people thought that would happen. Um, but two historically proud programs going at each other. Uh, this is a must-see watch game. Uh, 3.30 on the ACC Network. Number 15, NC State, who's 5-1, and one, visits Syracuse, who's ranked 18th and 5-0. and oh. I will take the Wolf Pack in this one. NC State has played some better competition overall. But I also could see it going either way. I feel like this is a toss-up, kind of a toss-up game for the ACC. You know, I forgot I did not make my prediction in the Oklahoma State-TCU game. I'm going to go with the Oklahoma State-Cowboys in that game. Uh, Now, uh, Syracuse is one of these programs that every blue moon, they're, like, really good. Uh, And could this be one of those years where they just have a, you know, an 8-9-10 win season? Uh, we'll see. It's a big, big game for them. On ESPN two at three thirty, Maryland four and two at Indiana three and three. You know, Indiana plays um, good teams close for a while, and then they fizzle out. Um, we already mentioned that uh, Maryland has a good quarterback. I think uh, that probably will prove to be the difference in the game. Um, I want to pick the Hoosiers. I really do, but. I got to go with Maryland in this one. I think they're just, they're too good this year. Uh, and I think they get the win. Yeah, it's tough to pick IU. <laughs> on 7.30, night game on ABC, number four, Clemson, who's now 5-0 and at Florida State, who is now 4-2. and I'm going to ride the Tigers again to another win for my predictions. FSU is coming off back-to-back top 25 losses, and I don't see that ending. Even though they're at home, I think the Tigers are just too good. You know, uh, I watched the end of the Florida State-North Carolina State game. Uh, Did you see that? No, I didn't get a chance to see that one. Uh, So Florida State had a ball in their red zone with, like, time, like, under a minute. Uh, and they were only down two against North Carolina State. All they had to do was kick a field goal to win the game. They threw an interception, and NC State ran out of clock. 
what a way to that's a tough way to lose. So really, it kind of as a as a college football fan who's not a fan of either of these teams, Clemson or Florida State, just as a college football fan, I was disappointed because that kind of takes a little bit of the luster out of this uh, prime time ABC matchup because. A five and zero versus four and one Florida State game is way better than a five and zero four and two Florida State game, team. Uh, but still, a big game for both programs. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually a close game, to be honest, because Florida State, uh, what they did at LSU, uh, they they played NC State tough all the way to the end. Probably should have won that game. So, seven thirty NBC Peacock, one and five Stanford at four and two thirty. 30th ranked Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish are playing better each and every week. Uh, people got to remember, they did, did beat North Carolina at North Carolina, who happens to be 5-1 and one right now. So probably will be ranked uh, soon. Uh, maybe next week if they win again this week. Uh, Stanford is struggling uh, this, this season. Uh, in fact, they've struggled the last few seasons, that is. Um, I like Notre Dame in this one. I, I don't think it'll be too close. I think they win by a comfortable margin. All right, at eight o'clock, number six USC, who's now undefeated, six and zero at number twenty Utah, who fell to four and two. Man, since I picked Utah in my top five by season's end, I don't see that happening anymore. But I'm gonna pick them to be the spoiler for the Pac-12 the rest of the year, and I think it starts this week as the Trojans come into Utah. Wow, Aaron picking the Utah Utes to, to beat USC and give them the first loss. Oh, wow, that's a bold uh, uh, pick there. Way to go, Aaron. And yeah. I, I had to watch this game now just because you did that. <laughs> I, I kind of went shocked the rest, so I had to pick one upset. Okay, all right. Uh, Coach Winningham, uh, Coach, uh, that's, that's his name, right? Yeah. Uh, if he's listening to our podcast, he's going to be a big fan of you, Aaron. <laughs> All righty, we're going to take our second break, and when we come back, we will talk some NFL headlines. If you are enjoying our podcast and want to donate, please find the donation link in our show notes. Any donation, no matter how small, will make a big difference in helping us bring you better quality podcast shows. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show. We are ready to talk some NFL. Let's start off with the Indianapolis Colts here. Uh, They played the Thursday night game, and boy, was that ugly. It was on Prime uh, um, Video, I think it's called. And if you didn't have Prime Video, um, you didn't miss much. So um, I'm not sure if Prime Video is going if the CEOs are regretting that they have 39 night games because they got Chicago the next week. So uh, we'll see. Uh, no touchdowns were scored. Uh, both teams combined for seven field goals. By the way, the NFL record for most field goals in the game was set a couple of years ago. I think it was 10. Uh, so they almost, they came close to tying the record. Uh, Chase McLaughlin, the Colts field goal kicker, made a game-tying field goal with five seconds remaining in regulation to force overtime. Uh, of course, Chase connected on a 47-yard field goal to open the overtime session. 
and Russell Wilson was intercepted near the goal line for deserve the win for the Colts. I saw on Twitter someone posted uh, when Russell Wilson is probably it's um, kind of mean, but when Russell Wilson threw that interception against the Patriots, remember that on the goal line? Yeah. Uh, and they had like similarities. Anyways, um, just run the ball. But apparently, <laughs> the coach felt like that passing ball near the goal line was a better choice. Yeah, the quarterback play so far hasn't been so great this year around the league, I would say. Uh, let's look at the Bears. Um, today, Kirk Cousins led the Vikings to a win late in the fourth quarter on a one-yard QB sneak. The Bears did have the lead 22-21 middle of the fourth quarter when uh, their kicker, Santos, made a 51-yard field goal. And he had three field goals in this one. Ironically, the Bears' defense wasn't able to stop the Vikings on the Vikings' drive. Their final drive, which saw saw the Vikings convert five third downs. I think Justin Jefferson set a franchise record for reception, so seems like the secondary struggled a little bit today. And then Justin Fields had a pretty nice day for his standards. He went 15 for 21 and a touchdown. His first passing touchdown in 15 quarters. And he found the rookie Jones Jr. from Tennessee who muffed the punt against the Giants a week ago. So he kind of redeemed himself in a way, in a way, I guess. Um, but, yeah, another tough loss for the Bears. You know, I'm actually uh, surprised of how the Bears offense performed in this game. Uh, especially digging themselves in a, a hole earlier and the way they came back and having a chance to win this game. Yeah. Uh, so again, you gotta, you gotta, if you're a Bears fan, maybe be a little proud of uh, see some progress there in the offense there. Yeah, for sure. Let's look at some of the other NFL headlines. Uh, the Giants beat the Packers 27-22 in London to improve to four and one. And then the Cowboys today beat the or on Sunday beat the Rams twenty two to ten. Dallas is now four and one. How about the NFC East division in, in the NFL? The Eagles are five and zero. Oh. You've got three teams, all five wins, four wins, four wins. Wow, NFC East. A lot of people call it the NFC least. Now maybe. <laughs> The NFC beast, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're not the least, they're the beast <laughs> now. Uh, let's look at uh, quickly the preview for week six in the NFL, including the Thursday night football game. Washington Commanders 1 and 4 at the Chicago Bears 2 and 3. This is on Prime Video, 8 15 p.m. start. 1 o'clock, CBS. Two and two, Jacksonville Jaguars at two and two and one, Indianapolis Colts. Four twenty-five on CBS. You have the four and one Buffalo Bills at three and one, Kansas City Chiefs. And then on NBC Sunday Night Football, uh, the game of the week. I can't wait for this, Aaron. Of course, I I will be in bed by nine o'clock because I have basketball practice Monday morning, so I won't be able to watch it. But hopefully, you can be able to watch it. It is the four and one America's team, Dallas Cowboys at five and zero, divisional rivals, Philadelphia Eagles 
on primetime NBC. This, this is a must-watch game. You have to watch it. Yeah, I'll probably tune in for sure. Top pick six, Major League Baseball. The wild card series have now wrapped up. Uh, and so Tuesday, um, again, depending on when you listen to this, uh, we usually release our episodes on Tuesday, so it will be tonight. Uh, the American League Division Series, uh, Game 1, Cleveland Guardians at New York New York Yankees. And then the other ALDS, Game 1, Seattle Mariners at Houston Astros. And then the NLDS, Game 1, Philadelphia Phillies at the Atlanta Braves. And then NLDS, Game 1, the winner of the San Diego Padres, New York Mets at LA Dodgers. And at the time of this recording right now, the Padres are beating the Mets 4-0 to bottom sitting. So potentially it's looking like a Padres versus Dodgers great California West Coast rivalry right there. We are going to take a short break and when we return, we're going to talk about NBA and some of the locals who are in the NBA. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us grow the show. Also, follow The Will and Aaron Show on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube for updates. You can find our podcast links in the show notes. Welcome back to The Will and Aaron Show. We're going to talk about some NBA, get you ready for the season if you are into the NBA. And if you're not, maybe there'll be some uh, players to watch. So, Will, can you believe the basketball season is already upon us? It is here, and and I'm glad it's here. I love basketball. Now, you are our NBA expert <laughs> on the Will and Aaron show. I'll be completely, completely honest. I'm not an NBA guy myself. I do, I do watch some of it, but as a basketball coach uh, for the last 15 years, high school mostly, uh, and then I coached college basketball. I just don't have time right, to watch right. the NBA. So I'm going to lean heavily on you, Aaron, throughout the season. <laughs> I don't know if that's good, but we'll we'll see where this goes. Um, yeah, so the preseason has already started, and the regular season opens up October 18th. Um, so, yeah. Aaron, what is the outlook for the Chicago Bulls after last year's playoff appearance, yeah, the Bulls on paper they have some nice players. I think um, the key will be in, will be staying healthy. Last year, they had that hot start before the All Star break, and they the kind the injuries kind of stacked up on them, leading into the playoffs. Um, but then this season, or this preseason, or regular or off season, uh, Alonzo Ball. Had another knee procedure, so that's not looking great. And the Bulls won't know much for another four to six weeks. So, yeah, he's a pivotal player. Um, really helped their defense and helped them get into their offense really well. The Bulls added some key veterans to kind of maybe help that that news with uh, veteran guard Goran Dragic and then big man Andre Drummond. Good news on the injury front. They're getting back there. It will be a second-year player, Patrick Williams, who looks really good before his injury. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see who starts at point guard. I watched a little preseason Bulls. Like I think it was their first game. They had the Illinois rookie Io DeSumo starting. I think I got that right. Starting at point guard. So yeah, it'll be it's uh the Bulls, I think their ceiling is uh kinda in that seven eight playing tournament spot. Because the East is so much deeper than what probably most people realize, or if you're just a casual NBA fan, the NBA, the NBA Eastern Conference is pretty tough right now. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they fare after that season. Billy Donovan improved their team from 15 wins last year, or 15 more wins. So yeah, and I think other question marks will be. Can Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan have similar years, like all-star, and then all-star, borderline all-star type of seasons? That'll be important as the first 20 games will probably tell us a lot. Yeah, it's a fun team to watch, so yeah, hopefully they can, they'll probably have a higher outlook than the other team we're going to talk about. Now, when you look at the Indiana Pacers, Aaron, what is the direction for Indiana this year? Yeah, I think this is a tough, or not really tough question. It's just I think the Pacers front office is kind of going to go down two tracks. They're going to definitely go with the youth movement as they've kind of put their franchise in Tyrese Halliburton's hands. Um, but they also still have some veterans who are in a lot of trade rumors, so they could – they could, if they kind of start off well, I would be interesting to see what direction they go. If they fully commit to tanking or if they try to make the play-in. I know a lot of Pacer fans are ready for a full rebuild. Um, so some good news if you are one of those fans. Um, they have the toughest strength of schedule in the East, according to NBA.com, so... That's something to keep an eye on. Um, as a fan myself, I think they should focus on player development and kind of see if they can land a really high draft pick this year, or win the draft lottery, I should say, because I don't know if you heard about the matchup between Victor Wembiana and Scoot Henderson. It's kind of a showcase this past week of two really highly uh, touted one of them's an international player, and then one's in the G League right now. So, yeah, I think Indiana's in that race for the bottom of the NBA. It's kind of weird to say because if you're a Pacers fan, that's not really their MO. They're always trying to make the playoffs, but I think they're probably going to just try to develop their young core. They got Benedict, Benedict Matherin and now Tyrese Halliburton and – young backcourt so okay so let's move on to topic eight uh we're calling this the five seven four in the nba we have three area guys with ties to the five seven four who are in the league let's start aaron with Jaden ivy the marion and la lamira product who was a star for the purdue boilermakers the piston drafting him number five this summer yeah, well, he showed his potential in Summer League in the first two preseason games. Uh, so far, he's starting. He's in the starting lineup. 
He's gotten the most minutes in each game so far. He led the team in scoring in game one. I know it's just preseason, but he's really he's really showing some stuff. The game two, he didn't shoot the ball pretty well, so but he did kind of offset that with getting to the free throw line, which is always something NBA players need to do. Yeah, and then with uh, Chet Holmgren's injury, he's now third in the odds to win Rookie of the Year. So wouldn't that be neat if a kid from Mishawaka, South Bend area, won Rookie of the Year? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. It's, it's amazing. A lot of people, can, a lot of areas of the country can't say that they've got one NBA connection. Yeah. And for an area code like 574 to have three, and potentially a rookie of the year. That would be an incredible feat. Now, let's look at Blake Wesley, the South Bend Riley and Notre Dame star who was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs with the 25th pick this summer. Yeah, for Wesley, he's been coming off the bench in preseason games. Uh, in his first two preseason games, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he did lead them in minutes played with 21 in game one. And then game two, he got 17 minutes. So it'll be interesting to see if he can crack the 10-man rotation to start the year. The Spurs are rebuilding and racing to the bottom of the league. By most experts, there's a lot of... They're kind of silently doing that to get in the Victor Wimbanyana sweepstakes. Um, But I think for Wesley, he's in a good situation. I mean... Spurs have been known to develop players. It's a good place to start your career. And I think he'll get a chance to play this year and develop for sure. Finally, another player from the area in Devin Kennedy, who is from Mishawaka and played for Marion. He also played four years at Princeton. Yeah, so Devin had a kind of different route. He uh, made his name in the G League. He went undrafted, uh, won a championship. Actually, the G League season was in the bubble, too, and he helped the Lakeland Magic win in 2021. Then you fast forward a little bit, the Orlando Magic called him up for a 10-day contract, then he got sent back down. But finally, actually this past April, he signed a two-year deal, so he's going to get a chance to play at some point this year. The Magic are in rebuild mode, too. They got a lot of young players as well. Yeah, and then I was looking on his Wikipedia page today. I guess his dad played at Bethel, so there's another. I guess it's not surprising since he's already from the area, but yeah. So we'll see. We'll have to check out how these guys do in future episodes. Give you a little update on the three of them, and best of luck to them as the senior, uh, the senior, the season gets underway. Yeah, thanks for listening to Will and Aaron Show. Tune in next week as we discuss more local college and pro sports.